You know, we uh, live in a day that I think most people, unfortunately, would rather bail out than kind of blast through. You know, they'd rather leave than last and work it through. We'd rather throw in the towel than stay in the game. That's just a general assessment of our society today. It's easier to waver, uh, to waffle, so to speak, uh, take that path of least resistance, because we fear a ten-letter word. And this word reeks of accountability, reliability, integrity, discipline, the word, commitment. I mean, our culture is characterized by a lack of commitment. I mean, you might say we fear commitment to some degree. I mean, you see it in all kinds of things like uh, uh, month-to-month apartment leases. Uh, You can join a gym or uh, get a cell phone with no commitment fees. You see it as people play hopscotch in their careers, as they add escape clauses to contracts. And basically, it screams, I want to keep my options open. I don't want to get tied down. don't want to get hemmed in. don't want to get stifled in my life. Because I want what I want, when I want it, and how I want it. And... So we avoid committing ourselves to to anything. I mean, it's across the board. You know, we don't commit to long-term jobs, relationships, marriage, investments. We, We don't commit to churches. I mean, it is our M.O. It's our mode of operation in our society today. And it all tracks back, I think, to a fear, fear of commitment. I mean, commitment means that we pledge ourselves to a position, no matter what that position is, and no matter what the price tag is. You know, to pledge yourself to to a stance, uh, no matter what the cost. If I invest myself, if I commit myself, I would argue the returns are incredible. A couple of years ago, I was at the Dome, and uh, we were there for a Rams game. I was there to see the Steelers because they were in town. (laughs) That's just cold. And I'm amazed how many Bengal fans are in the church today, too. But we went with a buddy of mine, and uh, he's a diehard Steeler fan, too. And uh, we were getting to our seats. We both had our uh, Steeler jerseys on. And um, the little boy in front of us, he was about maybe six years old. He was sitting right in front of us. Apparently a Rams fan. I mean, he had a Rams jersey on, a Rams hat. He had one of those giant Rams number one fingers. And I thought, who dresses a kid like this anyway, you know? (laughs) Anyway, we sit down. And as we sit down, the little boy, he's watching us coming down, and we, we, when we take our seats, he turns around and he goes, 
Go Rams! And, and from the kickoff, this kid's yelling. He's screaming. He's cheering for the Rams. This kid's going crazy. I'm thinking, where are his parents at? Take care of this kid, you know. But he was having fun. There were a group of Ram fans right in front of him. And um, they were doing the same thing. In other words, they would turn around and high-five each other when, when the Rams would do something good or they, they would score and, and they're, they're dancing, with, you know, they're jumping up and dancing and all this. And, and this little boy, I mean, he had all kinds of moves. You know, they'd score and he's like this and, you know, and he's like, you know. I mean, he, had, he was just having fun. The whole first half. I mean, it was just sad, seriously. Second half, the Steelers start pulling away. But this little boy never gave up. He kept cheering. At one point, he's turning around, and he's trying to encourage all the Rams fans around him to cheer louder. And uh, the guys in front of him, they had been cheering. They had been dancing. They had been carrying on. Second half, they changed their tune. These guys start booing. They start voicing their dissatisfaction. They start blaming the coach and the, and the players. And it got quite ugly. They were saying things I can't repeat. And the one guy at a point, when he just took his hat, he had a Rams hat on, he just throws it, you know, out there. And a um, little boy in front of us, he's kind of taking this all in and but he didn't detour one bit. He kept cheering. When the Rams scored the next time, the little boy went nuts. He jumped up in his seat. He turns around, make sure we see him. He's got his number one thing going. <laughs> and, and, I mean, he's having a heyday. He's dancing in the seat. And the guys, the fair-weathered fans, they jumped up and started dancing again. And this little boy, he goes, I didn't think you were Rams fans anymore. <laughs> and the guys heard him. They didn't say anything, but they heard him. I mean, basically, they had been put on notice by a six-year-old. <laughs> a few plays later, Bolger threw, guess what? Interception. The little boy... He goes, let's go, fans. We'll get it back. We'll get it back. You know, the guys in front of him, this is what I loved. The guys that were in front of him didn't say a word. <laughs> and I thought it was great. I mean, I, I seriously, I just had to laugh. I, uh, it was just funny. That little boy was committed. I mean, he was committed to a position, it didn't matter. The score was 24-41 Steelers, yay. You know why? Because he's a Rams fan. The guys sitting in front of him, they looked committed. They had their caps on. They had bandanas on. It screamed the Rams. They had their jerseys on. But were they? Were they committed? I mean, it's a question of commitment. 
You see, when things are going well, when things are on a roll, when, when everything is hitting on all cylinders, yay, yay. When you're making money in the stock market, yay. When marriage is going well, relationships are clicking, yay. We look committed. Yay, life. Yay, marriage. Yay, career. Yay, stock market. Then a couple losses, a few bad plays, economy goes south, lose a few clients along the way, have a few conflicts, and suddenly we stop cheering. We start booing, hissing. I mean, why do we struggle with commitment? I think part of the fear that we have is we've all had times when we've been rejected in our lives. You know, we put our, our, our heart or our soul into something and, and we just had it trashed. I think uh, sometimes we've experienced someone breaking a commitment in our life. Someone made a promise Maybe going to show up, going to be there for you. And they didn't. They didn't. You know, they, were, they promised they'd be there, but they weren't. And so it creates kind of a fear inside us. And I think sometimes we fear commitment because the reality is we've broken a lot of commitments in our lives. A lot of promises that we've made, and we know it. And so we develop kind of a mentality. It's like, why try? Why try? I'm just going to fail. I mean, I've failed so many times anyway. Why bother? It's a fear of commitment. I think you can track that all the way back to the Garden of Eden. You know, Adam and Eve, they were committed to God. God was committed to Adam and Eve. You know, one day God says, Adam, Eve... See the tree out there? Yeah, the one in the middle of the garden there. I don't want you to touch the fruit of that tree. The one that's right there. They're like, we're we're committed, God. We want to obey you. We want to follow you. We want to be your people. Evil one comes on the scene. Satan. And he will always attack your commitment quotient. Why? Well, if you do a little bit of a background check on the evil one, you find that he struggled with commitment his entire existence. You know, he's up in heaven at one point. He was Lucifer. He was an angel. He he was leading worship. He's in charge of all the music in heaven. But he struggled with commitment. You know, he tried, to, he tried to commit himself to God. But then he decided it was better to commit himself to himself. And it resulted ultimately in him being kicked out of heaven. And since that day, I would argue that he has been trying to tear apart your commitment and my commitment 
in life. Started attacking it. You know, he got up next to Adam and Eve. He says, look, God's holding out on you. You know that tree, if you eat of the fruit of that tree, you'll become like God. You know, you don't have to commit to God. I mean, you can just back off just a little bit, just a little bit. It's not a big deal. And Adam and Eve did back off. In fact, they sin. They, they, they break their commitment to God. They fail the test. And from that day forward, I would argue we've all been struggling with that issue of commitment in our life. I mean, when you strip it back, when, when you get to the core of a thing called commitment, in its raw state, it's southbound selfishness. I'll do what's good for me. I want what my needs are. I want them filled. It's all about me. It's all about me. And friends, commitment gets lost in this mainstream, meistic mentality that we have as a culture. Here's a question. What are you committed to in your life? Remember, commitment is pledging yourself to a position no matter what. You know, the psalmist says, commit everything you do to the Lord. Trust him and what? And he will help you. That's a promise, by the way. He will help you. First Kings says, but your hearts must be fully committed to the Lord our God to live by his decrees and obey his commandments As at this time, this is the day, this is the day. A while back, I I took my uh, grandkids over to the Magic House in St. Louis, and uh, the next day, my grandkids were talking about how much fun they had, and finally, Dason goes, Grandpa, when will it be yesterday again? I said, well, it'll never be yesterday again. And Dason, he's uh, four, and uh, he did one of these. He goes, his brother, he's a year older, he goes, goes, I knew it. And I said, suck it up, boys, that's life. That's not what I did, okay? (laughs) So you're, you're like, man, he's a mean grandpa. I didn't say that. I kind of assessed it, and I said, guys, it will not be yesterday again. But you know what? We could go to the magic house sometime. Scripture says, now is the time. Now. I mean, you can't go back to the past. You can't live with a someday mentality. You know, someday I'll commit to something in my life. Now is the time to commit. You know, it's, it's part of God's design that we be committed people in our lives, in various areas of our lives. 
The fact is, God will give you the power to to carry out a a commitment, a God-honoring commitment. God will give you the strength to crash through those quitting points in life. God will help you get where you're going. God will help you get up when you want to throw in the towel. What are you committed to? What are you committed to? I mean, it's, it's easy to commit to the wrong things. You know, it's, it's like the guy that is committed to golf. Never goes to church. Doesn't spend quality time with his family, with his wife, kids. Why? Because he's into golf. And he's committed. There's nothing wrong with golf. But when it overruns everything, watch out. I mean, one day, one day... That guy that's so committed to golf, one day he's going to go, I spent all my time chasing a little white ball around a course, and now, now my marriage is a shambles. Now my, kid, my kids, I don't even know them. They don't talk to me. I'm spiritually bankrupt. What are you committed to? I mean, your commitments show what's important to you. It shows what you value. You know, in other words, if I say, I really value love. Love, love's important to me. Well, friends, there's no such thing as love without commitment, right? I tell singles this all the the time. If someone tells you they love you, but they will not commit to you, Trust me, they do not love you because love is about committing. You may say something's important to you. I'm committed to this or that. But friends, take a good look. Where where do you spend your time? Where do you spend your talent? Where do you spend your money? Because that's a real indicator of what's important to you. People say, oh, my family. I am committed to my family. They're so important. You don't spend time with your family? You're just kidding yourself. Oh, I am so into health. I mean, that's important to me. You don't exercise? You don't eat properly? You're just kidding yourself. An uncommitted life really means nothing's important to you, ultimately. You know, if you don't come to a point in life where you make commitments, you know what you're basically saying? I don't consider anything important. The only thing that's important is me. It's kind of selfishness. The flip side's also true. You can't commit to everything. You know, pick wisely. Choose wisely. Your commitments, my commitments in life, point to what's important to us. You know, your commitments uh, determine your orientation in life, the direction that you're heading in life. You know, your life's defined by your commitments. I've said this before. If If you believe 
that being popular is the most important thing in life, you will be shaped by that. If you believe making money is what it's really about, then you'll be shaped by that. If you believe having a good time is what it's all about, that that's the most important thing, well, guess what? You'll be shaped by that. In fact, fill in the blank here. I believe, you fill it in, is the most important thing in my life. I believe, fill it in, most important thing in life, you will be shaped by that. You're being shaped by that. That's the way it works. It's a God-given design. In fact, if you would show me where your commitments are right now, if I could spend 10 minutes with you, I would show you where you're heading in life. I'll show you what you'll become, ultimately. Because once you choose, the course is set. You begin moving that direction. I'm going to ask again, what are you committed to? What are you committed to in your life? Not what do you say you're committed to, but what are you really committed to in your life? You're not sure? Again, step back and go, where do I spend my time? Where do I spend my talents? Where do I spend my resources? That's where you're committed. And I want to challenge you. Choose carefully. Stakes are high. Not only do my commitments that you and I make in life impact our lives right now, ultimately they impact our eternity. You know, last week we we talked about life short in, in comparison to eternity. And that we need to assess how we live this life. And the way we do that is with eternity in mind. You know, Jesus asked a, a question one time, critical question. Mark 8 says, What will a person give in exchange for their soul? That's a big question. It's a huge question. Maybe the most important question you'll ever really answer. Because everyone exchanges it for something. You exchange your life for something, or you exchange it for nothing. But you do exchange it. You know, your, your time is your life. We're all given X amount of time on this planet. The most valuable commodity that you have is what you exchange it for. Your time. You know, wise people, wise people plan how they're going to exchange their time in life. You know, wise people decide what that exchange is, and they decide that by whatever commitments they make in life, whatever it is that they're committed to. You know, when you you make a commitment, you're choosing how you're going to invest your life. You're choosing how you're going to spend your time. You're deciding how you're going to use your resources. And friends, if you don't get anything else this morning, get this. Every single choice you make in your life, every single choice, every single choice has a huge, huge impact. May seem insignificant, may not seem like a big deal, but in the grand scheme of things, 
they all add up. They all involve time. They all involve your life. And ultimately, it influences eternity. My commitments, your commitments, defining. So how do, how do we overcome the, this uh, kind of fear of committing ourselves to things? How, how do we make sure we're committing to the right things? How do we make sure we seek our commitments through whatever they are? I mean, first of all, we need to understand we need God's help. We need God's help so, so we won't make dumb commitments, so we won't choose the, the wrong things. James writes this. He says, if you need wisdom, ask a generous God, and what? He'll give it to you. When it comes to decisions, whatever the decisions are in your life, everyone here is facing decisions this week. You need God's wisdom. You need God's wisdom to make decisions. Now, I'm not saying, so you're at Dairy Queen and you go, hmm, okay, God, should I order a turtle or a cookie dough blizzard? I mean, you can do that. God would probably tell you to just go home. <laughs> but uh, that's, that's not what I'm suggesting. But I am talking about the bigger decisions in life. The, the commitments we make, the things that we commit ourselves to, those are big. And God says, you know what, I'm ready. I'm willing. I'm waiting to help you with those things. I mean, we need God's wisdom. We, with all the major decisions in our life, some of the moderate decisions in our life, and definitely with all the commitments we make in our life. You know, because, again, commitments are huge. I want to suggest you first talk to God about them. We have talked a couple weeks ago about God's in control. How many of you believe that, that God's in control? We talked about that God knows everything that's going to happen. God has a great perspective on everything, and it always baffles me if we believe that, if we believe that God's in control, we believe that God knows everything, that God has a great perspective from heaven. Why in the world wouldn't we leverage that in our lives? I mean, why not? You know, God, do in me whatever you want to do. God, do you want me to take this job? God, do you want me to marry this person? Or date this person. God, do you want me to make that a priority in my life? God, show me what you want to do. God, would you have me invest my life in that, my time? Friends, I'm just saying pray. Ask God. Ask God for wisdom, and he will help you with that. You know, when you're preparing to, to make a commitment in, in your life, ask yourself some clarifying questions. You know, like, what is the cost of that? What is the payoff of that? When you're deciding to make a commitment in life, there's always a give and take. I don't care what it is that you're thinking about committing to. There's an upside and a downside. And there's something I figured out about this world. This world 
will sell you a bill of goods. They will promise you a lot, but they deliver very little. You know, God's word makes it absolutely clear that when you make a commitment in your life that aligns with God's plan for your life, the benefits are huge. They're serious. They, the, the benefits will seriously outweigh the cost. So before you commit to something in your life, ask yourself, what's it going to cost me? What's the payoff in this situation? Proverbs it writes, it is a trap for a person to dedicate something rashly and only later consider their vows. That's good wisdom. I mean, it's a trap when we make commitments in our life, but we don't really think them out. Oh, sure, I'll do that. I'll marry you. Sure, I'll do that. I'll, I'll take that job. Sure, I'll, you know, whatever. I have figured out it's always easier to get in than to get out of something. It's always easier to make an impulsive decision than to clean up the mess afterwards. It's always easier to start a relationship than to grow a relationship. It's always easier to fill your schedule than to fulfill it. Have you figured that one out? In other words, think, think, think it through. You know, God not only will guide us and give us wisdom, not only will God help us understand what the cost benefits are in it, God also will help us keep whatever commitments we make. You know, Proverbs 16.3 says, Commit to the Lord whatever you do. Not some things, whatever you do. And your plans will succeed. Now, now that is talking about if we make God part of the process of deciding what it is that we're going to commit ourselves to, what it's saying is we won't be alone. We're not on our own in this if we make God part of that. So that when you hit the wall, and you will hit the wall, by the way, when you're worn out and you want to give up, God says, you know what, I'll weigh in at that point if you've committed in a God-honoring way. God says, I'll not only give you wisdom, I'll not only help you make the right choices in life, but the promise is, God says, I'll give you strength and power to see it through. Paul writes in Philippians, uh, the second chapter, he says, it is God who is at work within you, giving you both the will and the power to accomplish his purpose. I have talked to people through the years and a lot of people get to a point where they go, you know what, I'm asking God for guidance. I'm looking to God to help me understand what the cost is, what the gains are if I take this step. I'm looking at the commitment that he's placed before me. In my life, my eyes are wide open. You know, I believe I'm supposed to take this step. I believe I'm supposed to move in this direction but I'm afraid. I'm afraid I can't do it. 
I'm afraid I'll, I'll fail at some point. I'm afraid I'll throw in the towel. I, I won't see it through. I mean, I'm just afraid. Friends, you're missing the point. When you finally take that step, you just got to take it, whatever it is. God will give you the wisdom. God will give you the strength. God will give you the power to take the next step if you seek him, if you put him in the center of that. Paul says, God is able to keep that which I've committed unto him. And you can't miss that. God, God does the keeping. God does the holding so that when you hit the wall, and you will hit the wall, when things are tough, and they will get tough, when you want to give up, God says, I'll give you the strength, I'll give you the power, I'll give you the patience to see it through in order to keep that commitment, to honor that commitment. And here's what I know today. Some of you, some of you have struggled with committing yourself to things. Some of you have struggled most of your life. You've struggled committing yourself to the wrong things. You've resisted committing yourself to the things that you know you should. Some of you have refused to acknowledge that the reality is your priorities are just squirreled up. They're twisted. Some of you keep pretending that your spouse, your family, high priority. The reality is it's not. Some of you are postponing giving your life to Jesus Christ and accepting him as your Savior. And by the way, that is the most important commitment you will ever make. Some of you need to stop playing a very dangerous game. It goes something like this. I love God. God, you're the most important thing to me. And the reality is, if you were to look at everything in your life, it says otherwise. Again, what are you committed to in your life? Does it align with God's plan for your life? Is it God-honoring? If it doesn't, I'd suggest you step back and recalibrate. If it does, if it is God-honoring, whatever it is, then you should know that God will help you, help you crash through those points. I know some of you, you've made commitments in your life and you're about to throw in the towel. You know, maybe in a marriage, maybe in a relationship, maybe as a parent, you've hit the wall. You know, maybe vocationally, you're just ready to bail. Maybe it's a personal battle and and you committed yourself that you weren't going to go there but you're feeling weak. You're feeling that, that draw. I mean, it's really getting hard to resist. And maybe it's a situation and you just want to run, give in, give up, whatever. I mean, maybe spiritually, you're just ready to bail, give up on God. Paul says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. 
commitment's huge. God promises to see us through. I've said this before. It does not take great people to do great things in life. only takes committed people. Here's the problem, I think. Somehow, we've been sold a bill of goods by our society. And that is, we can half commit to like 20 things, 20 trivial things. Half commitment, oxymoron. Not true. If you're half committed, the reality is you're not committed at all. Some of you wonder why you struggle in life. Take a look at your commitments. Take a look at them. There's incredible power in the commitments we make in our lives. Catch this. Happiness, fulfillment, effectiveness in life, the joy of life, they are all determined by the commitments you make. I don't know where you're at today, but I just challenge you. I'm going to have a word of prayer. And whatever area God is pressing you, or you're about to throw in the towel, or you know it's just all squirreled up, I want you just to lift it up and say, okay, God, I've been shying away, and today's the day. I am not giving in, all right? Let's bow in prayer. Our holy God, God, we praise you. God, I know that every single one of us, there's some area of our life where maybe we've committed ourselves and it's just trivial. It doesn't even matter. And we're doing it at the expense of committing ourselves to things that really do matter, committing ourselves to you, to our families, to our wife, husband, kids. God, I also know that um, we all face those points where we just want to give up, bail out, walk away. God, I pray that you would pull alongside us, that you'd remind us that we may not have the strength to crash through, but you do. We may not see a way, but you do. God, I pray that we would just commit ourselves totally to you. God, I thank you for those times that You've given us the strength to see whatever it was through. And then now we can look back and go, man, I'm so glad. I am so glad. God, we praise you and we thank you for all things. It's in Christ's holy name we pray. Amen.